I just can't wait to like, okay, or we have an intro thing, but you know, I just like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. So my plans got delayed today, so I couldn't watch the episode and I literally just turned the episode off right now. And I am just like on fire, Chris. <laughs> I, 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 I just can't hold back my, okay. <laughs> There are so many things in this episode, like, we'll get into the intro, I think you're supposed to do it, right? But, like, yeah. okay, okay, hold on. Before I do, how <laughs> the hell does this whole thing come down to a freaking miscommunication? I am so livid right now. So, yeah. so, so, so livid. I mean, like, I'm sure, like, okay, let's talk about the ending of this episode, if that's okay, and then we'll get it onto our top four. We'll, like, <laughs> we'll fucking, we'll talk about it later. But the uh-huh. fact that, like, you know, Allison, like, warmed her heart, there was this union, like, kind of, like, okay, was it genuine or not? We don't know. But, like, if this whole thing and their fighting comes down to the fact that Viserys thought he was just talking to Rhaenyra the whole time, and there's a, like, Ugh! I am so angry. Like I, because for me, it just takes away so much agency from Allison and her decision making. Mm-hmm. And yeah, okay, yeah, she did. We don't know what's gonna come, obviously, but like the fact that this comes down to because you could see it in Allison's eyes that she believes, oh, he actually wants me. He wants Prince Aegon. Like this is what he wants. But mm-hmm. in reality, this is like it just takes away so much of like this duality between Rhaenyra and Alicent. And I, I am so angry. I love how they did weave it together. Okay. The conversation they had previously with Rhaenyra. And that's one of my scenes. We'll talk about that later, but like the way that the ending just like, it made me just write capital N O N O N O over and over again in my notes. And like the way she has resolve after it, you could argue that she was just waiting for this resolve to come to her and she just is using this as an excuse and she just kind of blinded to the fact that it is actually not her but i really really hate this i it's so angry it makes me so angry and the fact that like he he says my love at the end and presumably he's dead because of the kind of the breathing stops and like whatever we'll see we've thought he's died so many times already so we'll see but like him saying my love and him referencing Rhaenyra and talking about Rhaeny. It is it is kind of sad on one hand for on Viserys' behalf because he is like a you know a king that you love, but oh no, not love, but he is a king that's like, you know, old man, cute old man, but oh my lord. I'm just so I'm just like on fire coming off of this episode. I'm glad we're recording right after it, because I gotta get this off my chest. And with that, welcome to Serially Hooked House of the Dragon. We're your hookers, Chris and Rashad, and today I will not suffer the talk of crows in my house. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and at seriallyhooked.com where you can get all our latest info. This week we'll finally have a new episode of D&D coming to you in the middle of the week and a new episode discussing Andor on the weekend. We'll be doing weekly reviews of House of the Dragon as every episode comes out, so be sure to stay tuned. And with that, you may run your house as you will, but you will not decide the future of mine. And yes, I absolutely agree with you. <laughs> I'm so angry. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is I don't it was just 
you know, we we see the uh, we see two scenes in which Allison and Rhaenyra make amends and they kind of patch their relationship, and I was just. I was just I was just thinking the entire time this can't be this can't be happening this can't be true uh something like this is too nice something is going to happen and then of course and it is Allison's fault because she gives him milk of the poppy and so he is kind of on drugs I mean I knew it was going to fail at some point and that makes sense it was going to fall through but not in my mind it should not have happened because of this if that makes sense. It should have happened because of their own decisions and their own rationality. And yeah. I just found this to be a terrible choice by the, uh, by the showrunners. And yeah. it just, it, it made me very sad. Yeah. It kind of, they can do so much better with, with, uh, you know, with, with, uh, the characters and th- this is just kind of lazy and just not, not worth the, um yeah i suppose the, uh you know it, it is is not befitting to the show it is this show is better than this scene for sure it should be and the thing is this episode was so good i loved this episode mm-hmm. and the thing is the scene was shot well it's whatever it is actually really well written i think but the idea of it is where i have the problem with this this scene in particular and especially because this is kind this is new information here and it's not necessarily i thought okay where i thought the scene was going at the beginning i thought it was actually really interesting that he was going to reveal the song of ice and fire and this prophecy to alicent because then now both sides of the uh, of like the like the fighting or whatever they both know about what's going on and that's kind of cool knowing the weight of what's whatever's happening for the targaryen kings but she doesn't get that message across all she gets and what she is just like this renewed purpose for her own claim. And I, I found that to be, I mean, I already said it up front, so I don't have to repeat (laughs) myself. (laughs) Yeah. It, I don't know. I'm yeah. It's sad that this great episode ends on this note. Honestly, I felt that that was to the detriment of the episode and the show. Um, I think I don't need any, I don't need to add anything to what you said, because you put it perfectly, not just the points you made, but also the anger with which you uttered it. (laughs) Um, I think very much expresses how I felt watching it, which was also just half an hour ago. So I don't know. Um, I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. House of the Dragon. Especially because this episode is really good. And I think we can get into talking about our thoughts about the general episode, if that's okay, before this scene. And mm-hmm. there's so many things I love about this. I love, I actually, I like the time jump here. I think it was a good place for them to do a time jump. We get more fully fledged characters for the children. They're now like teenagers or adults. And that's kind of cool to see their presence. And we get their personalities coming through a little bit more here. We get Vaymond and his betrayal. He's an absolute dick. And I love how his story ends. I'm sure we'll talk about that as well. Uh, there's so many cool scenes here. We get more this. We've gotten the sides coming together and uh, crystallizing in front of us on screen at some point. And uh, it was really just it's hammered home in this episode what's going on and what's going to happen and it's incredible kind of to see where things are going and there's quite a few scenes that i liked in this episode how about you i agree the one the one thing that i found 
weird about this time jump it was basically a casting decision because to me Aemond looked so much older than Aegon in, in, in this time frame he, he looked yeah, he like, looks huge. He looked like yeah. a like he like he looked a middle aged man. I don't know right? how he got to that level, and everyone else looks so young. It's yeah. kind of interesting to me. I, I mean, Aegon is clearly older, should be older, but mm. Aegon Aemond, sorry, has such a huge presence, and yeah. I it's very interesting. I mean, I think it it makes sense. Kind of, we know that uh, Aemond has that massive. He's just huge as an individual and, and physically. Mm overimposing and they, they captured that quite well but he also looks old which is weird to me yeah i saw that was a little bit weird but i loved all the inter family dynamics and uh all the back and forth all the scheming as always um great greatly written and i would say even though there are many many characters in this episode we never i never lost track um so that that kind of helped um some nice visuals like the um, you know Viserys's model of Valyria in cobwebs that already tells you everything before you actually see him um we have we have some we have some big questions we have some great plotting forward like moving the plot forward we have so many great things we'll get into all of them the one the one question i have is why why does jace have a mullet it's depressing honestly they're really like leaning into the fact that they're supposed to look like harold strong really they should just have yeah. short haircuts and just like who cares like uh, uh yeah but no the mullet the mullet and then the bowl cut <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> bad combo guys bad combo yeah. <laughs> so, i mean i know the the children children can't be blamed it's always the parents but um still bad choices all around i have questions for rainira's parentage though i think that she has a lot to work on to be fair and i think the the weakness of her kids to a certain extent can be extended to her fault yeah talk but but Compared to Viserys's and Alison's children, they're kind of nice. Like, they're amazing. They're so nice. They're well-adjusted individuals, <laughs> yeah. but maybe not cut out to fight the ruthless aim and, no. and the whoring Aegon. I guess they're actually better. Honestly, they're better. <laughs> they're way better. I mean, both of, both of their children are just fuck-ups in different ways. And I love I love Jason Luke. I think they're really cool. Yeah. And now it's cool to see that there's two kids now, at least, and one coming on the way between Damon and Rhaenyra. That's insane. How many kids is this girl popping out? Yeah, good for her. Uh, oh my god! For a woman who's who like who would never wanted kids, and for a woman who like yeah. was really and and like scared of having children because her mother died in childbirth. Like, wow, good for her. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of this, I, I forget what it was, but some princess in like the early modern period who was pregnant 17 times and none, none of her children survived, like, like reached adulthood, basically. Oh, poor her. I know, <laughs> it's really bad. Um, but yeah, they already have twins with, uh, you know, Aegon and Viserys. Yeah, and Aegon and uh, well, the other Aegon and Helena have children already. Like it's it's crazy. There's so many yeah. things going on here. 
Oh yeah. I don't know. So so many scenes I that are great. It was this time it was really difficult to to choose even though we have some really big ones. So Yeah, I think for me there's two that were easy to pick. And then the other two yeah. were hard for me to find in terms of the top four. But before we get into our top four, I have a couple of things that I want to talk about. One, Talia uh, revealed to be a spy for Mizaria. And I wonder what Mizaria's relationship with Damon is and if they still have one. And is mm-hmm. that feeding information to Damon through Mizaria? And what is the role? Because we all knew, at least I knew, that Talia was up to something. Because Talia was clearly just around all the yeah. time and she kind of seemed like she was working for somebody but we didn't know if it was the triarchy was it for the faceless men and bravos or was it for you know some other spy and it turns out to be mizaria and they still are leaning into this accent by sonia mizuno so <laughs> but it's a good reveal know. to have because it's like another chip on the table to see what's interesting because i have a feeling that mm. mizaria is going to kind of be aligned more with damon and she's going to be the spy master for her, him, and them. And then mm. it will be um, the other strong man. What's his name? Uh, Laris Strong will be the house, like the master of whispers for Allison. So you kind of have these, where the information coming from on both sides. I wonder if that'll be what happens there. Yeah, that's a good theory. I I assume that she was doing it for somebody across the narrow sea. But that might be, you know, I, d- I don't think Damon and her kept in touch necessarily. But uh, I mean, we'll find out. Yeah, I think I think this could be really interesting. Um, and yeah, it's such a good, such a good sequence, such a good episode. And the reveals are interesting to me. Mm. I wonder, like, if we're ever going to I thought we might see Lenor at some point in this episode, if he's going to yeah. like come back around but apparently they're just like nope he, he fucked off and he's definitely not coming back my question <laughs> is though what happens to his dragon like he had a dragon Ooh. sea smoke was his dragon he was riding like yeah. does sea smoke just chill everywhere like what's what's going on there i'm confused and does he i mean does he know that his rider is is still alive i could imagine that they have like some special relationship that they would know so then Mm-hmm. I wonder if people go to try and claim Sea Smoke, and Sea Smoke is like, "Fuck off! My rider's still alive." And exactly, like, yeah, that's gonna be really interesting. I wonder if we'll see that. Yeah, in the very beginning, I was pretty sure they were talking about Corlys, but for 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 a moment at least, I was wondering whether they were, um, <laughs> you know, they were talking about Lenor. Um and who knows what if ha- what has happened in the meantime? But um, you know, maybe he returned. And that's what the spies are telling telling his mother about, about, you know. I guess we'll find out. I guess we will. I mean, this was surely about Corliss, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but still. Um, so, you want to go into top four? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, what's your top four? What's your fourth one, I guess? <laughs> I really... I really should be uh, ranking them. I'm always just going chronologically, but... um. Oh, are you going to throw out one of the big two already? No, 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 no. Um, I would say that one one of my... So so chronologically, the first one is a great meeting of many characters, which is a double scene which in which we have Jace and Luke watching Eamon spa with Kristen Cole as Vaymond arrives and who then meets 
with Otto and Alison, and at the same time, you have Rhaenyra and Rhaenys meeting, and kind of you know behind the scenes, what is uh, who is going to vote for whom? Uh, that is kind of the first, the first kind of bash, and of course, of course, I mean, <laughs> it's 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 really three scenes in one. So again, I'm, I'm really... <laughs> you're really you're really stretching us to the limit of the top four here. It's a sequence, not a scene, but um, yeah. And also, you know, Rhaenyra t telling Viserys that the burden of the throne is too heavy for her and pleading that sh he should come to her and her son's defense. Oh, that's included in your sequence as well, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That was just an honorable mention. I I, I just misread my, my notes. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh You know, it definitely informs the later scene that I've chosen. So, uh, I don't know, just really strong. We get, it's a great character economy, I would say, that we all have these characters together. Um, and it, it is, it's a great sequence of events. And we see all the different alliances. And it's just really interesting going into a later scene that we're, we're going to talk about for sure. Um, yeah. Okay, so from all those scenes that you took into your <laughs> top, into uh -huh. your one scene slot, <laughs> I uh, I love Aemon. Uh, demonstrating that Aemon is a capable and strong warrior, and that he's prepared. I mean, he can he whoops Kristen Cole's ass basically, and eventually he real he's like when he says that I don't give a shit about tourneys. He's really he sees the the conflict to come, and he's he's preparing in a way that no one else is he's going to be the mm -hmm. most prepared he's he's going to be the most the best fighter on the field at least he's, he's going to try to be and i mean he has vagar so he is a force to be reckoned with just by himself really and he's like you know if you're thinking about so at the beginning of the season they were talking about damon would be the next magor the cruel basically and if mm -hmm. you think about who would actually be the next magor the cruel i have a feeling that Aemon, if he were to ever <laughs> rise to the throne would be a very very good uh uh yeah he'd be he'd be that yeah. for sure yeah it was the the parallels between the two of them i i, I really saw uh, in the last scene we see the two of them together at the feast when uh when Aemond exits and and damon gives him a look and follows after him that was just a oh yeah it's like <laughs> he sees he sees his equal in a way but um yeah absolutely but uh, I, I, yeah, we definitely see that Aemond is a capable fighter, but at the same time, it's not like Kristen can knock her, his head with a maul, you know? That's a good point. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's... I, but no matter what, it's just demonstrating the, the power scale there a little yeah, bit, especially absolutely. because Jace and Luke are helpless. They seem helpless in what's going on, essentially. Yeah, I mean, they're still way smaller, so... Yeah, I mean that's to be expected, I guess. This position exactly. here. I, I, so, I guess for my fourth scene, I will pick actually one scene, uh, and <laughs> shade. pick. Shade. Uh, <laughs> um, I'll pick Allison and Aegon talking together when Allison comes into the room after she uh, questions Diana, and mm -hmm. she questions Aegon about the shame that she places on uh, that little this action will place on uh, his wife Helena or her. Uh, I like how she always makes everything go back to her. Just a little side note. Mm -hmm. uh, she's also notably wearing the seven-pointed star on her chest as she is doing this. 
uh, a symbol of her so-called piety and her positioning herself <laughs> as the pious one. But in reality, you know, we know what's re- really behind there. Um, I It's interesting to me that she basically tells him, you are, she tells him, you are no son of mine, as if he i mean but she is going to go to bat for him even though she is ashamed to have him as her son and really aegon is not really proving himself to be a capable future ruler and re- realistically alicent you know doesn't think that this is the best thing i mean, it doesn't think he's the best but she's still going to go for it because even though she she still loves him it's really interesting nuanced relationship between them we got like a, a preview of that um, a few episodes ago when uh, Aegon was masturbating out of a window, but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just the sentence alone is just, it's just a lot to handle. But uh, yeah, it's this nuanced relationship of pride and love, but also shame and rejection for Aegon himself. And what I found really interesting is the pressure that Alicent has put on Aegon, because ever since we first met Aegon in this in this iteration, we realize that he doesn't actually have a desire for the throne, but it's Allison who's pushing him in that direction. And what are the consequences of the pressure that she's putting on him will remain to be seen, but you can see how this is not something that he's born to do, not something he wants. This is all coming from this intergenerational trauma that's being pushed from, from Allison towards Aegon. Yep. And it's, I think, you know, you're really nailing the head. <laughs> You know, you're nearly, really nailing it here with Alison's egocentrism, where she'd rather have her fuck-up son, who is no son of hers on the Iron Throne, than anyone else. Um, just as long as it is, uh, as long as it's her son, you know. But at the same time, also, yeah, the piety that um, Damon remarks upon in in the in the subsequent scene. Um, yeah, just is really in line with how Alicent, the the adult Addisont, has presented herself to be as you know the devoted, the pious, the one who cares above all about decency. And it's just, uh, I'm refraining uh, from saying something, but uh, that can sometimes happen in the real life as well. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's a really interesting position for those two characters to be in, and I'm I'm fascinated to see how that evolves because these little nuances within the relationships of these characters we don't really understand that much. So it's fun to see the these two come come to fruition in this way. Mm-hmm. What's your next scene? Um, my next scene. It really depends on how you want to count it. So maybe I just have three scenes today, but I guess we could count my last opening as two, two having chosen two scenes uh, because I only have two scenes left, really, that are big ones. Um, one is the, uh, you know, about the about the drift road throne and one is the dinner. So I don't know if you wanted to talk any, about anything before we talk about those two scenes. Yeah, so I guess you mentioned this in your litany of scenes that you mentioned earlier, and that is the Rhaenyra Viserys talk. Mm-hmm. And it begins notably about the prophecy. And it does set up what happens at the very end that we have 
ranted about a second ago. So I just want to bring to light how much mm-hmm. I loved this conversation. I ranted it about a second ago, and you <laughs> you tacitly agreed because otherwise I would rage quit this podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I love this conversation for so many reasons. And number one, I think, be- is because it begins with the prophecy and how the prophecy is weight that Rhaenyra holds on top of everything else I'm trying to be queen and trying to rule the kingdom. And this weight is, this vulnerability is something we rarely see from Rhaenyra. We've never really seen it to this extent. We see her strength. We see her desire to rule. We see her protectiveness towards her kids. And she's clearly becoming, I think, in my mind, the good side of this conflict. Mm-hmm. I mean, her sons are actually good people. Damon's cool. Um, and he helps his brother up the chair. We'll talk about that in a second. But like <laughs> they're they're becoming like the good people in my mind. And Allison and company are becoming the fucking assholes. But the weight of this kind of falling down on Rhaenyra and her vulnerability here, the doubt that she conveys here, I just found this a really realistic scene for someone who's feeling all this pressure that she's having. And in reality, like she's coming to him for help because no one can help her like Viserys can. And I love how this episode and the next two scenes we're going to talk about is Viserys coming to her and on his deathbed mm-hmm. on, on, on death's door, he comes to defend Rhaenyra. And I really love this conversation because I think this conversation is what kicks Viserys into gear and makes him the king that he should be. And for, for so many reasons, I think Rhaenyra leaving to go be on Dragonstone instead of staying at King's Landing is the dumbest decision that she ever made. And I think that in reality, it should have been her behind, her next to the series all along and not Allison. So this scene is just layered with so much emotion and vulnerability. And I don't know if they're ever going to get talked again, talk again, one on one. And I don't think that is. And this is the last conversation between father and daughter from King to heir that I think is so so important for everything to come i think that was one of these game of thrones goodbyes you know that you know when uh after after the dinner uh rhaenyra says to Alison, oh i'll just see my kids home and then i'll be back i don't think so <laughs> i really don't think so <laughs> and yeah definitely she's not gonna see her father ever again maybe not even dead who knows um yeah good i just point. wanted to gi- i just wanted to give another point to that scene that i have usurped previously um that I, what i really agree with what you've said but also another reading could just be that rhaenyra knows how to manipulate viserys like th- that like that uh prophecy or that dream is kind of the ultimate tool of manipulating viserys into what uh, Rhaenyra once so that that's maybe a less graceful interpretation of what's happening there I I think that's a that's a fair um, analysis or um, interpretation but I think that what follows and her genuine grief over the burden that this whole thing is you know leaving her with I think that to me indicates that the whole conversation is genuine because of where she kind of ends up but you know, it could be, I'm just, I, I guess I'm pro Rhaenyra, so I, I don't think she's, kind. Of, I know she is capable of manipulation for sure, but um, she, in my mind, this reads genuine, but, uh, you know, I'm biased. I'm going to acknowledge that. <laughs> I mean, 
I can be pro Rhaenyra and still, still say she manipulates Viserys here. <laughs> Good point. Manipulate him in the right way, please. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so shall we go to the uh, Driftwood question? Yeah, let's go to the throne room and let's see what's going on. First, Otto Hightower sitting on the Iron Throne like he fucking owns it. <laughs> oh my god, this like gave me like anger, anger issues even before oh, really? the end. But <laughs> I so I was primed for anger, I guess, going into the last scene. Let's say that. No, no, that no, there's the title of the episode, Prime for Anger. <laughs> you, you got it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it is it's one of these things where We've seen this scene before with Viserys and Rhaenyra, and still, obviously, we have we have Otto there, who is presiding as the the hand of the king, and he hears Vaymond's Vaymond making his case, which is done very well, I thought, kind of. Uh, you know, I could see the logic there, absolutely. Uh, obviously, he's he's a very capable speaker as well, so that definitely helps. Um, and I don't know. It's it's just, and, and then and then Viserys just shows up and does a mic drop when he just asks Rhaenys, you know, he wants to hear her thoughts on the matter because she she is Corlys's vi- wife and knows what he has wanted to do uh, the best. So she he asks her, and you know, there was a brief moment where I thought, what is she going to do? But not only does she take Rhaenyra's uh, side, she also kind of flaunts what she bribed her with, which was kind of interesting. Um, and then obviously we have the escalation. Vaymond doesn't agree to that at all, says the quote that I have used in the intro. And then as soon as Vaymond says that Rhaenyra's children are bastards and she's a whore, Damon beheads her, uh, beheads him in a way that I didn't see coming because it's not really beheading. It's basically just, uh, you know, the upper skull. Yeah, so this um, scene is, I like the scene a lot. I think Rhaenyra, I, first of all, Viserys, what an amazing entrance. Like that shot, that like low camera angle as Viserys like with his golden face is like so creepy looking like a skeleton going up and i hold the whole way up i'm like my head is like someone help him someone help him someone help him and i love how he mm-hmm. refuses to get help from anyone except for when damon comes to take his hand and that was just such a touching moment and to me it's a an indication of Damon's of damon's love for his brother and even though they have fought so many times they haven't talked so many times and they have always had disagreements as damon says the blood of the dragon runs thick and I really love that coming back and forth between them. When he asks Rhaenyra, I think Rhaenyra is thinking two steps ahead here because she realizes that she can't, in front of Viserys, question the legitimacy of Luke and, by extension, Jace. So she has to then go support Luke in this moment. I think she realizes mm-hmm. that in a second. But then she has to proclaim this marriage in front of everyone else because if not, Rhaenyra might renege. So I think she's yeah. becoming, Rhaenys really is becoming a great, uh, she is a great political player and she realizes what's going on here. So I found this, the, what's going on in Rhaenys's mind actually one of the most interesting things because it's so cut and dry between Vaymond and Rhaenyra because Vaymond's an asshole just saying, okay, these guys are bastards, so I need to be 
state my state my claim to this. Rhaenyra's like, oh, they're trueborn kids, so she's just claiming that. So with this with Rhaenys is the kind of this middle ground character that I found uh, having to play the finest line, and I think she comes out vic- victorious in this specific scene. And with regards to what you mentioned with Damon egging on Vaymond, I fucking love how Damon looks him in the eyes and say it. And Vayman yeah. takes the bait. He slowly takes the bait. For a second, you don't think he's going to take the bait. And then eventually he just like yells bastards and she's a whore. And I would have loved to see a world in which Damon was the hand of, of Viserys. Because Viserys <laughs> yes. is weak, but he says he, he says his will, basically. I'll have your tongue for it. And Damon, Damon realizes the moment he questions the honor of the heir to the throne by calling her a whore. Damon mm-hmm. is completely in the right to behead him and get one uh, check uh, check piece off the board, basically. A, a piece that could potentially be used against them. And no one could question Damon's honor in that moment and he is in the right. So it's a really smart move by Damon to try and egg him on. And the way Matt Smith plays that scene, just by looking at him in a way, oh, it's so good. <laughs> it is absolutely incredible. And that that scene, the the end of that scene, I just love the sign. He can keep his tongue. It's just so yeah. funny. Uh, so good. I love that scene so much. Yeah, but going back to the very beginning when this uh, when Viserys enters the chamber, I think it is a great decision in the ways of directing that we don't cut to him enter from him entering to him going to the iron like on the iron throne we see the whole time almost uh, the whole thing basically in real time and how long it takes him and how arduous it is and then yeah as you said he rebuffs anyone who tries to help him on that until his brother does so and yeah we we see something that we have seen earlier on when Rhaenyra and Damon uh go to see Viserys for the first time and you can see on Damon's face not only the shock at the state of his brother but also the uh the feelings he has for him the you know um the sympathy and i think yeah it, it is a very strong brotherly bond and everything that follows it's very interesting to to think of Damon as a very principled person in that regard He's such an interesting character because he he is able to you know balance between yeah he's very principled and honorable in some ways but then he kills his wife in another way so like yeah. <laughs> he's, it's really and he's he's just one of the most fascinating characters I think we've ever seen so it's mm-hmm. really fun to see him because you don't know whether or not where he falls on the line for you yeah and the mask is such a powerful tool as we will see in the last scene as well but it. It kind of gave me Phantom of the Opera vibes as well, uh, which is kind of interesting. Um, but obviously, in the in the dinner scene, he takes it off. Um, oh, such a such an interesting moment. But I don't know if you wanted to say anything more about that. Uh, the driftwood scene, the throne room scene. Just one last thing is at the end when Viserys refuses milk of the poppy and he claims, I will not cloud my yeah. mind. I mm-hmm. must put things right. And I love that. And I mm-hmm. think that that's an extension of, you know, Otto tries to give him milk of, milk of the poppy earlier. And he's like, no, 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 we have to have this dinner. And his call to action that Rhaenyra kind of brings to him in the previous scene really puts him in a position where he thinks, okay, I have to do something here. 
and he's trying to take responsibility for his legacy and what's going to come in the future. He sees that there's conflict here. And we talk about Viserys being a weak king, being a weak-willed king, unable to rule, unable to bring people together. But in reality, he, he in the end here, at the very end, he's trying to do his best, but he, his health has failed him to the point where he can no longer do that. And he can't do what he knows must be done. And it's kind of sad that in the end, he dies thinking that he spoke to Rhaenyra and he calls her to be the one to bring things together. But in reality, he mm. set the exact opposite course into action. And that makes his whole reign and his whole life kind of kind of a, kind of a sad story. I mean, his whole thing is a sad story, but really sad. Say. That. <laughs> but now it's even worse. Yeah, it's just his it's exactly the opposite of what he wanted and what the the entire mission for the entire episode was and you can't help but feel for him uh, so Viserys, man whoo uh, what a rain what a life pour one out for this weak weak king <laughs> who it, i think it's also written really well because it reminded me <laughs> it's kind of sound a little weird but it reminded me a little of my own grandfather who when he got really old he what he wanted was to spend time with his family and to ha see them become more of a unit i suppose uh and so that was really interesting to see him uh, to to see this dinner scene where he um you know he greets everyone there who's family and you know he says everyone at this table is the people uh that are dearest to me and he takes off his mask so so that his family can see him as he is as he as he says and um he urges unity and then we get <laughs> we get some great speeches we make we see Rhaenyra make a speech for Alicent for you know to honor her devotion to Viserys and Alison's reply of you will make a fine queen but then everybody kind of <laughs> makes toasts and then at the end obviously we what, what seems for about a minute to be a really nice family feast is then ruined by Aemond giving a last speech about Rhaenyra's strong sons and so some fighting ensues between the between the boys uh, and we get that goodbye from Alicent and Rhaenyra that we've talked about. But I mean, what is what a great sequence this is! Yeah. So first of all, why is Otto there? Get the fuck out, Otto. What the <laughs> hell, you're not family here. Second of all, Patty Constantine is holy shit. He is killing it in this episode. I mean, this is if this is his swan song. Like, great job, Patty Constantine. You like forever will live in the legacy of this entire show. So great job here. I I really like how there is this, as you said, sequence of toasts. And Viserys has the same, you know, last gasp, like plea, you know, be a unit for me, for your brother, for your husband. And Rainier and Allison seem to do seem to do that, right? They they seem in this moment to reconcile their issues and put things behind them. And just for a for a second, you can see that this will actually maybe pass over. But what's most fascinating to me is how the the consequences of their feud have gone beyond them and they have trickled down mm -hmm. to the next generation and have been combined with the anger and viciousness of youth. And Aemond, Aegon, Jace, Luke, 
have taken it way beyond where it should have been. And this is on both sides. Luke teases Amond. He he brings a, the roast pig and puts it right in front of Amond. And that and Luke laughing tips Amond over the edge. And he he that mm-hmm. leads him to give his toast that you know creates the issue there. And obviously, uh, Aegon is teasing Jace the whole time, and yeah. Jace eventually asks Helena for a dance. And I actually kind of like that scene because it's cool to see them together and what it would have been like if Allison took Rhaenyra's initial offer. But mm-hmm. I found this is so so well done. But that what the the key message I took here is that the consequences of their feud have spiraled out of control and are way beyond them. So even if they were to reconcile in this scene, and you can see that immediately, their reconciliation did not mean the reconciliation of their sons. And that feud is going to spiral or go in unintended unintended consequences in unintended ways. So a phenomenal sequence through the scene and just, you know, it's sad that Viserys couldn't make it to the end and Amen is smart to wait before he says yeah. shit in front of everyone else and he can get away with it when Aemon's not when the king's not there but holy shit i just i loved every aspect of the scene for sure yeah how many tens of thousands of people are going to die because these two people who were once were best friends don't get along with each other anymore it's really yeah yeah, yeah. it's really it's like, it's like the um like the first world war ba- is interpreted by some to basically just be a family feud and then eventually everyone dies. <laughs> exactly. And then eventually everyone dies. And, you know, tens of millions die. Um, and, yeah, it's just, you know, if your relatives are are also nobility, uh, that can be kind of difficult. Um, so, yeah, just... I wonder extra- with Rhaenyra, the way she, like... You know, we talked a little bit earlier about her raising her kids. And I think that she's raising them well to be well-adjusted to people. And people that we would love to root for. Mm. But... She's raising them in a way that I think is doing them a disservice for the conflict that is to come. And I think that her, you know, immediately sending them away whenever there's conflict, go to your rooms, go to your rooms, go to your rooms. For me, that read, and or like in any sequence, in any scene, they're always positioned behind her as if she's the protector. But I think that one thing that she should have been doing the whole time is empowering Luke and Jace to take their own step, to be able to kind of defend themselves in some ways. And I think that, you know, it's not a bad thing she's doing. They're still young. And I think for any normal circumstance, any normal like position, that's fine. That's okay. And you can even see like the ideology or ideas of Rhaenyra are coming down. So like when Luke says to jace in the training yard everyone's looking at us what do they think about us jace just says it doesn't matter what they think and that's literally what rhaenyra says to damon in in Mm. the courtyard and this these ideas are kind of going from generation to generation but the same strength of independence and empowerment is not really happening here because also viserys and emma didn't really empower uh, rhaenyra until until it was too late in some ways until like, because remember, she was just a cupbearer for a while, and then she was sent out of the small council, and then it took a while for them to bring her into the fold. And I think that Rhaenyra is kind of doing her sons a disservice to a certain extent there. But on the other hand, she's raising two young, fine lads, <laughs> and that's uh, you shouldn't be ashamed for that. Yeah, it's true. It's just as you said, they would have been great uh rulers for peacetime maybe but not when a conflict conflict is coming up um for which Allison's sons are probably better suited at least Aemond is i think Aegon is just going to be 
uh, a kind of a, a Joffrey, a pre-Joffrey, Joffrey. Not even Joffrey. He's not even cruel enough to be Joffrey. It's I think true, he's more yeah. just like he just a, doesn't care. Yeah, yeah. He's just going to be the puppet on the throne whilst his um, his mother and then probably later his brother also kind of do the real work. Yeah, for sure. Can, and and poor him. Poor Aegon, honestly. I don't know. I, I have a hard time. Uh, oh, true. Oh. Forgot. Yep. Nope. Nope. No poor Aegon. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Sorry. I take that all back. <laughs> I mean, he's always been an asshole, so um it just it just gets worse and worse um and i don't know it's gonna be interesting you know obviously you've said now that viserys is, looks to be dead what's going to happen with especially that last scene that really i still ah. can't believe they did that it's such a bad way of doing things <sighs> anyway um yeah but it's gonna be i'm just gonna be real curious on how basically Otto and Alicent are going to seize power in King's Landing and also which allies Rhaenyra and Damon are going to look for against that, against fighting against them. I mean, I suppose Rhaenys now is on their side. She has publicly declared so in a way, in, at least in, uh, you know, in the planned marriage doesn't mean that it's actually going to happen, but feel like that could work and once they've done that they can they could also confide in her that actually her son is live um but um yeah i'm just going to be curious how the political landscape is going to change once um once viserys is dead i mean he is dead but like what is the outcome of that i find it interesting how rhaenyra when her goodbye to alicent says i will return on dragonback yeah. Does that mean she'll return with fire, or will she return? You know what I mean. And will, or mm. she'll will she return peacefully? It's so interesting. She intends yeah. peacefully, but the idea that she's gonna come back and like burn shit, like that's so interesting. Or like come back in like a warrior context on a dragon. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting idea True. and cool. Like, like you know, potential foreshadowing. It's really interesting. Uh-huh. And isn't next episode the penultimate one of this season? Yep, episode nine. Gotta love it. <laughs> so this is going to be the big one, probably, with a lot of battles. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me uh, with what has happened at the very end of this episode. Um, but yeah, again, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the uh, the political machinations of the players. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. But stop doing this stupid shit. But other than that, great show. I still love it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they were thought they thought they were doing, but um, anyway, uh, one. Uh, I was going to say one good, one bad scene can't ruin a show, uh, and I think it's true for for this show at least. If it's only one, if it's a sequence, exactly. that's where it become an issue. <laughs> and if it's an entire season or two, then you know. Anyway, let's not talk about it. You've already been er er enraged enough for today. So uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. If you've enjoyed the show, give us a five-star rating or the maximum amount wherever you listen to podcasts. For Rashad, I'm Chris, and talk to you next time. Peace. Or not.